This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, Stu, it's time for the podcast. I love podcasts, Glenn. I, I listen to this one all of the time. <laughs> uh, by the way, we should point out after that intro... With the amazing uh, broadcasting abilities you've just shown, <laughs> that you're going into the Radio Hall of Fame today. Yes, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Thank uh, you. I don't understand the choice. Uh, I don't myself. either. Uh, Lobbied against it. It's really cheapened the whole Hall of Fame in my eyes uh, <laughs> now that I'm uh, uh, being inducted. But that's... you can actually listen to your. Uh, you, you did like a acceptance. You're doing an acceptance speech of some sort, and uh, so anyway, it's going to be very cool, and uh, it happens uh, tonight. 7 p.m. Eastern. You can listen to it on Blaze Radio, uh, or you can check it out on uh, the iHeart uh, Radio app. Yeah, just uh, look for Radio Hall of Fame or listen to Sirius XM, the Triumph Channel. But uh, but check it out if you're interested uh, at all. Um, now, on today's program, we talk a little bit about the missing papers that uh, seem to have gone missing with Tucker Carlson. Shipping problems happen. Yeah, I mean, is that right? Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Shipping problems happen, mm-hmm. huh? Because that's never happened. We also have the CEO of the Babylon Bee on. He has won his uh, his argument with Facebook. But we talk about how even comedy is being censored by these fact checkers uh, at Facebook and Twitter. We also have Mike Lee on. We talk a lot about the censorship. So much to talk about on today's program. Here it is. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to Mr. Pat Gray, who uh, does uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, a podcast that he records mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Blaze Radio Network and TV mm-hmm. shortly uh, before this program airs. Uh, and uh, he is also heard wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, Pat. Thank you. It's good Thank to be you. here. How does it feel, Pat, to be in the presence of a doctor? Yes, I'm a doctor. Are you a doctor? These? No, I'm not yeah, a doctor. You're not a I'm not a doctor. And also a uh, brand new inductee. Into the, the Radio, Radio Hall of Fame. Fame. Well, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. They have until tonight to change their mind. Right. And we do think they will. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I think they might. I think they might. They I mean, they like, should. Yeah. Pat and I have been yeah, lobbying they should. Uh, we, hard behind the scenes. Yeah, we I've called been, Craig Kitchen and said, what are you thinking? <laughs> I have been, what are you thinking? I have been thinking, you know, where in the Radio Hall of Fame is my stuff going to be? And I figured out. Probably in the broom closet. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> if yeah. I'm lucky, yeah. broom closet. Mm-hmm. Might be in the in the round receptacle in the broom closet. There uh, is a for, physical Radio Hall of Fame, though, right? Yeah, in Where Chicago. you can go and visit in yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago? Yeah, in Chicago. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, there's you know, people are featured like Bob Hope. Yeah, and Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Reagan. And uh, not to mention every George, radio legend. Yeah. George you know. Burns, mm-hmm. Don Imus. Mm-hmm. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, Rush mm-hmm. Limbaugh. Thank gr- you. Okay, all right. You know, I don't. I, mean, I don't great. know why you'd be no. great. The I know. giant. I know, and, and uh, then Glenn, and then me, Glenn. in the in the blue in the broom closet. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, you're more of a guy. You've longevity, right? You've been around for a long time. They're like, we got to put him in. 
That's kind of, I think that was the decision-making process. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, is how long did it? 40, 42, <laughs> 40, I don't even know, 40-some years. A long time. I yeah. think we 42 got in, in the same year. I was just three years older than you. Yeah. And that was, was that 1977? 78? Uh, 78. 78. 78. So yeah. we, we, I was, we were trying to put together something uh, that would look back at the Glenn Beck career from 1978. So basically, you got 42 years, mm-hmm. we combined it into 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this has got to be good. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is the best 90 seconds of Glenn Beck's career. No, I mean, this is actually, li- listen to this. This is going back. Some of these, Glenn is like. Did you get like, anything from like the really, really early years? Oh, there's some, yeah, there's some really early oh, stuff nice. in here. Right. Uh, excited. Here, looking back at the career. Of one Glenn Beck. WPGC. My name is Glenn Beck. We started with humble beginnings. Good morning to you with us, Glenn and Jim. It's the Glenn Beck Morning Show. Little did I know it would catch on. I think you are nuts. Tell you what, if I give you $50, will you go away happy? (laughs) There was a time when I first got on that everybody hated me, man. Mr. Rush Limbaugh joined us Mayor Rudy Giuliani, how are you, sir? The evil one, Carl Rowe. Hello, Mr. Vice President, how are you? John McCain. Let's say hello to Don Imus. It is Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. We will talk and listen to each other, maybe in a way that we haven't done for quite some time. How can you just sit there? You know who has the right for free speech? I do. Full-fledged duct tape alert. That's all about power and manipulation. Sniper on the loose, did we tell you? Okay, we get it, CNN. Thank you very much. I don't think so. I think this guy's some sick freak. Get on my phone! (laughs) Too much opinion on radio. That's the problem. What is a peninsula? It's an island that's surrounded by land. (laughs) Right? Uh, I just got back from Iraq. We have moved or fed 11,455 Christians out of the Middle East. Hopefully in a couple of years you'll hear an old show of mine and you'll say, wow, it's just, it's different. And you'll mean that in a good way. And so will I. Thank you. Wow, how long did that take mm. to make? Uh, there's actual people who belong in the Hall of Fame who put it together. <laughs> yeah, um, oh my yeah. gosh, I That's can't really even... Uh, I'm glad you really didn't good. concentrate on anything from WPGC. Or, <laughs> uh, I think there was a KUPY in there, which is like, I was 13 years old. Oh, there's some. there were some really old... Was, uh, uh, we had even more that had to be cut. Cut out. They had to be limited to 90 seconds. But, it, it, you know, look, it's been pretty amazing. And an amazing run when you go back to through your career. Yeah. All the different uh, things that have happened, all the huge guests that you've had, all the... It's amazing. I, I think if you was such an underachiever and... In reality, you've overachieved well past your time. Well, there you go. Uh, The Hall of Fame is tonight, the induction ceremony, and you can uh, hear it, uh, the broadcast, at 7 p.m. Just go to the iHeartRadio app and search for Radio Hall of Fame. Also, it's going to be on Sirius XM, the Triumph Channel, uh, tonight at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Hmm. I'm going to play that on the Blaze. Uh, I, are we I've not asked, allowed? But I don't. I know we are playing it on the Blaze. Yes, we are playing it on Blaze Radio, or yeah, yeah Blaze, Blaze Radio. Radio. Okay, so it'll be cool. there. I don't know. Good. I you know. I, mm-hmm. This is you know this is my party, so I don't You'll cry I if you want to. Yeah, and I didn't plan it. Do you so. think they canceled it so they didn't have to have a ceremony with you in yes, person? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. They're yeah, like, it's screw because COVID, of COVID. I just don't want them here. I, I guess though, next year, <laughs> everybody who's inducted is supposed to go next year to the big dinner. Oh, okay, but there won't be a big dinner. The world will be on fire by then. I mean, this will all be over. 
and we'll half of us will be dead. <laughs> that's so that's happening. Yeah, well, I thought so. I thought it's so. about yeah. as optimistic as yeah. he's been off the air yeah. too. Yeah, so, uh, so Pat, what, yes. are, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, you know? Here we are, just a. Oh my gosh, we are five days away from the fundamental from the fundamental transformation of the United States of America. It's today. Yep, five days away. It's scary. It's scary. I'm trying to inject a little hope, though, mm. uh, into this madness every day, uh, just so we can survive it, just so we can be sane. And there's actually some things, you know, that lead you to believe that maybe there's hope. Okay. Okay. Uh, let, right. me, let me give you a few headlines. Yes, 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 yes. From 2016. Oh, boy. U.S. News and World Report. Seven reasons why Hillary Clinton's win over Donald Trump is a done deal. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, didn't work out very well for him. Uh, also, this survey finds Hillary Clinton has, quote, more than a 99% chance, unquote, <laughs> of winning election over Donald Trump. 99%. Well, they're saying 96% now. Uh, so she lost after a 99% chance. They were predicting uh, she would have 312 electoral votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came up with 232. Uh, then there was this from Reuters. Clinton has a 90% chance of winning, uh, according to a Reuters-Ipsos poll. And then another chance of winning graph, Hillary Clinton, this was the, I think this was real clear politics, overall uh, average. Of all the polls together, Hillary Clinton had a 71.4% chance to 286 for Donald Trump. Did you read what Hillary Clinton said this week? I was born to be the president. Yeah, she believes it's her birthright. Right, she does. That. I was born to be the president, and that's what mm-hmm. has made this so upsetting to me. Jeez. Since when? when excuse me? Uh, are we doing royalty now in, a, in the United States of America? I was born to hmm. be the greatest television star of all time, and it was taken from me. Oh, my gosh. What kind of out-of-control egomaniac is that? Yeah. One that isn't the president. <laughs> that's, that's a kind <laughs> okay i i like that mm-hmm. we'll go there mm-hmm. um uh did you see one last thing i want to talk to you about did you see the tucker video last night yeah i saw i saw it there you're talking about the one where he they lost the yeah can we play the, this real quick this is the uh, tucker uh the hunter documents have vanished this is from tucker carlson last night there's always a lot going on uh, that we don't have time to get to on the air. But there's something specific going on behind the scenes right now that we did feel we should tell you about. So on Monday of this week, we received a, from a source a collection of confidential documents related to the Biden family. We believe those documents are authentic, they're real, and they're damning. At the time we received them, our, my executive producer, Justin Wells, and I were in Los Angeles preparing to interview Tony Bobolinsky about the Biden's business dealings in China, Ukraine, and other countries. So we texted a producer in New York and we asked him to send those documents to us in L.A. And he did that. So Monday afternoon of this week, he shipped those documents overnight to California with a large national carrier, a brand name company that we've used, you've used countless times with never a single problem. But the Biden documents never arrived in Los Angeles. Tuesday morning, we received word from the shipping company that our package had been opened and the contents were missing. The documents had disappeared. Now, to its credit, the company took this very seriously and immediately began a search. They traced the envelope from the moment our producers dropped it off in Manhattan on Monday all the way to 3.44 a.m. yesterday morning. That's when an employee at a sorting facility in another state noticed that our package was open and empty. Apparently, it had been opened. 
So the company's security team interviewed every one of its employees who touched the envelope we sent. They searched the plane and the trucks that carried it. They went through the office in New York where our producer dropped that package off. They combed the entire cavernous sorting facility. They used pictures of what we had sent so that searchers would know what to look for. They went far and beyond, but they found nothing. Those documents have vanished. As of tonight, the company has no idea and no working theory even about what happened to this trove of materials, documents that are directly relevant to the presidential campaign just six days from now. We spoke to executives at that company a few hours ago. They seemed baffled and deeply bothered by this. Mm. And so are we. I'm going to comment on this in hour number three, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Did you because re- I saw this last night and then I went online and I saw comments about it. And it's the stereotypical, you know, leftist stuff saying it's because they didn't exist. You're just making this up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Any, co- any first thoughts on this? I mean, it's incredibly strange, right? I mean, obviously, some packages do get lost. They're not usually opened, though, and then the content's removed. I don't know exactly what would happen. I mean, I, I, I assume they didn't write Tucker Carlson, big hunter documents inside on the outside of the envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, unless I mean, it's hard to know exactly what if it made it all the way across the country till 344 a.m. the day before. Mm-hmm. Someone would have had to know maybe the producer's name and like it's just a it's a weird string of events that would lead to these things disappearing. Um, but I, I mean, the, if this if the documents, if the uh, company went through all the records and they could find it all the way here and this doesn't happen normally, it is very, very strange. I assume. Please tell me they took pictures of the documents and they still have them, right? I mean, like they, they didn't sell one copy. They got, they got <laughs> copies. I hope across the country. I assume, and but, you would think there's also video, right, that would be uh, taken in the facility, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You would think there'd be video surveillance. Here's why I think this is absolutely real. Did you notice he didn't say UPS or Federal yeah. Express? He believes yeah. the company. He believes yes. the company, mm-hmm. and the company is upset about it. Otherwise, he would have named the company. He'd have thrown them yep. under the he bus. He would have thrown totally. them under the bus. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he believes that there's a chance that they will find out who yeah. did this. And uh, I, wow. I, have some, uh, I have some comments coming up in the third hour. Because my wife and I talked about it last night. She was like, come on. And I just reminded her of a few things. And she was like, oh, yeah. So I mm. will comment on this on hour number three coming up. You notice how Tucker didn't call out the company, but Glenn did call out his wife. That's right. (laughs) And I have her, I put her in a Federal Express bag and just. (laughs) Now she's missing. Now she's missing. The bag. I got the bag. Uh, Wow. There are so many jokes in there. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Seth Dillon, may he live forever, is the CEO of the Babylon Bee, the world's most trusted, factually accurate news source. We have Seth on the phone with us now. Hello, Seth. (laughs) Hi, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. Uh, You bet. So I think one of the funniest things, I mean, you guys are funny every single day, and I love what you do. Um, Thank you. But one of the funniest things I've seen in a while, and it was because of the reaction, was the was the post 
where you said Senator Hirono demands uh, that Amy Coney Barrett be weighed against a duck to see if she's a witch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the quotes were all from Monty Python. I mean, it was really brilliant. And you had a picture of her in the committee hearing with a duck in a burlap bag next to her. And yeah. uh, uh, you were banned by Facebook. <laughs> we were demonetized. Demonetized, so, uh, they, yeah. They, they didn't take down our page, but they, they threatened us. Well, they didn't threaten. They penalized us with demonetization and said that this was an incitement to violence because there was a line in that article that said, we must burn her. And anyway, well, wait, wait, but wait. <laughs> you can't just say that. You have to say the entire line. Do you have the entire line from Because I, I think I have it here someplace. Uh, it, we do. I, yeah. You want to read it? Or I, no, I, go I, ahead. Uh, go ahead. I, I got to find it. Hold on one second. Uh, uh, I just love this. I just love this line. I'm looking for so it, too. Absolutely. Absolutely absurd. Oh, she's a witch. All right. Just look at her, said Senator Hirono. Just look at the way she's dressed and how she's so much prettier and smarter than us. I just know it. We, we must burn her. I mean, it's just it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And the line about I know not only am I a senator, I know a few things about science and uh, <laughs> Uh, wood floats so do ducks and so if she weighs the the same weight as a duck uh she can be burned because she's it's i mean it's great stuff and there's no there's no way anyone took that seriously no no and this is we've had this happen before where there's just stories that i mean if you remember what happened with cnn uh the cnn story we did and snopes fact checking it um you know we did we did a piece about how um, CNN had bought an industrial washing machine to spin the news in before they published it. And it was just like on the face of it. So absurd. Obviously they're not going to spin it. Like it doesn't even make sense. It's just silly. It's just a silly joke about their bias and their agenda. Right. Um, and, but, but they fact checked it and, and Facebook, uh, threatened to penalize us for that because we were putting out misinformation. So it was a similar situation where, I mean, there are stories that we publish that, that are close enough to the truth, um, reality, everything is believable today, right? So, right. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's very frequent that we'll become close to the truth and that we'll even prophesy, prophesy the truth because these things come true all the time. But um, in, in these cases, these are two examples where we've had run-ins with Facebook, and these are the most outrageous stories you can imagine. And plus this one, this is a common reference. I mean, Monty oh, Python no. is, a, is, a, is a classic, popular so, film. So, uh, you know, people who are reading this understand that this is a joke. So when you said to Facebook, well, hang on just a second. You allow uh, leaders of Black Lives Matter to say, if we don't get our way, burn this system down. That's allowed. But right. this is a violation of your your violence portion uh, of well, your rules? You know, this is, yeah, this is the point that I make. It's, it's not that we're actually violating their community standards. You know, they did apologize and, and reinstate us, whatever, if we made us think about it. But we're not, we're, we're never actually violating their community standards, but they're always reaching to, to try to treat us as if we did. And my question is, and the question that they won't answer is, why? Why are they treating us that way? You know, there's, there's plenty of other sites out there. There's movements, there's groups, there's, there's groups that call for violence, promote violence. They consider violence a justified option in, mm -hmm. in, instead of discourse. Uh, and we're just simply, we wake up every day, Glenn, in the morning, we look at the headlines and we think, what would be a funny take on that? What would be a funny take on that? And that's what we do. We go and write a funny, you know, uh, uh, satirical 
uh, take on the issues, whatever they are. So that's how, I mean, we have no ill intentions whatsoever, but it goes beyond the social networks. You have media coverage of us too. I don't know if you saw the piece in the New York times recently. It was, you know, one more instance of them questioning our motives and saying, are they, are they trying to misinform people under the guise of comedy? And this is how they circumvent Facebook's rules. Imagine saying that about NBC's uh, uh, Saturday Night Live, which I do believe is biased, but I just did. I don't watch it. If I don't like it, I don't watch it. Right, right. But it only they they say those things about us. But I mean, look, you know, you've got you've got a lot of political statements being made over at The Onion. The Onion is the most popular satire site that's on the other side of the aisle from us in terms of, you know, political leanings. And 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 their motives are never questioned. They're just considered a funny satire site. Um, And we see that all the time. The media's treatment, the media is silent on 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 their stuff. And then the fact checks that are done of The Onion, which are fewer and further between than ours are so friendly. They're, they're with kid gloves. It's, oh, this is, a, this is a satire site, the best satire site on the internet. It's funny stuff. Just right. laugh at it. That's the way they handle those fact checks. So uh, we, we are certainly treated differently. There's double standards all over the place, and I, I'm not sure how people don't see it. Uh, we're talking to Seth Dillon, uh, the CEO of the Babylon Bee. Um, so you, you won this. Uh, they, they re-monetized you but you know that doesn't help for the lost money and the lost exposure that you have uh you suffered during that time my problem is um with this system you are guilty until you prove yourself innocent right this flips american the thought of american justice and fair play completely on her head well, I'd say, let me say it's even worse than that. Uh, it's worse than that because we are only out of Facebook jail because we have a platform. We, ha- we are able to make noise. We have a huge following, a very vocal following that's loyal and devoted to us. We have reporters, people in the media, people like you that follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and, and we'll talk about this stuff when we make people aware of it. So we're able to um, uh, bring negative attention to Facebook's doorstep when they do this kind of stuff to us. But what about the little guys? What about people who don't have a large following? What about a small business who posts, you know, mm-hmm. a blog article that was deemed, you know, an incitement to violence and they get shut down. They have no recourse whatsoever. So they don't even have the opportunity to appeal or make no, uh, or make noise or prove themselves innocent. So it, 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 you, you have no, uh, you need a platform in order to do that. We found that we're only successful in this case. This is a great example of this. We, uh, we went through the formal channels of appealing with Facebook um, they give you that option when this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And the person who manually reviewed this article upheld the original ruling that it was an incitement to violence. So we got a firm no from Facebook. They said, no, you're demonetized until you fix this. You've got to edit that article. Um, and that's when we went public with it and brought attention to it because that's just ridiculous. But we're fortunate enough to be in a position where we can do that, but not everybody is. How many people does this happen to and they have no recourse? Well, they did this to me when, you know, when I was on Fox, uh, I, you know, I, this show started as a comedy show. A lot of the stuff I do, you know, I, I've done in the past has been, uh, you know, with a comedic bent to be able to make the right, point. Right. They took everything that I did, took it out of context, made it seem like I really actually meant those things. And right. and it it was just not worth the hassle anymore, which is so damaging because i think they know the power of comedy yeah yeah they do it's a threat i mean i, I look 
we love this quote from G.K. Chesterton. It's a, it's a brilliant, it, he puts it brilliantly in, in the uh, framing the effectiveness of humor. He said, humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. And I love that because it's it's true. I mean, humor is disarming. When you wrap a message in a package of humor, it's easier to deliver it. It's more easily received. This stuff it more easily goes viral, even on really controversial or heated topics. Um, so, you know, when we're making our points really effectively using it, then, yeah, they try to find ways to to uh, to denigrate us, to smear us, to to, to shut us up. Um, and and it's, it's clearly, you know, a building of the predicate for censorship in, in, in our view and um, and certainly dangerous. Have you have you been following at all the uh, truth and reconciliation trials and committees uh, suggestions that that the Democrats are seemingly wanting to pick up? Have you been following that? Uh, truth and reconciliation. You're talking about identifying people um, after this election is over, you know, picking out these people who are problematic. Yes. Yes. Anybody in the media. Uh, you know, anybody yeah, I've, in, I've heard yeah. mentions of that and, you know, trying to build lists. You, this is not over. You know, we're going to come after you kind of stuff. And a lot of that, I don't know how much of that is uh, is, an, is an empty threat, but it, I certainly wouldn't put it past them to, to think in those terms and, and try to do something like that. I think it's I think it's awful. Seth, I'll have I'm my I'll, I'll have my research team send you some information on this and their white papers on it. It's not an empty threat. The extreme left is yeah. really pushing for this and that puts all of us uh especially you i don't know if you know who um oh shoot what was his name uh, i can't remember now he was the famous actor in germany uh he was probably the number one box office uh comedy actor uh, and he took on the uh the nazis for a long time finally escaped uh, because they shut him down, but he really thought he could get away with it. In the end, he his story is remarkable. Uh, those people who uh, don't appreciate the uh, <laughs> the fact that they're not infallible uh, right. when they want to shut people up, they become very vindictive and they go after people who can rally or people that can make people laugh. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all the more reason for us to be more vocal, right? Yes, I, it we, is. you know, we. It's not that we relish this fight, uh, you know, that we enjoy it, um, but we certainly we won't back down from it. That's Good for, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. That's uh, the CEO of the Babylon Bee, which, if you don't follow, you should. It's very, very funny, uh, and repost and support. Uh, we are entering really difficult times and i i beg you i beg you to right now know where your line is know what you will accept and what you won't accept know what you will do if you know voices are silenced how are you even going to get information if we are not heard uh, how will you get information right now? You get about 10% of the stuff that I post. Uh, that's remarkable on Instagram. If you follow me, only 20% of my audience gets what I post 20%. They want to make sure that you're not seeing things. That's not America. If things go poorly, next week and we don't know who won or anything else 
we are going to tell you what we truly believe. Because I'm on national radio, I know that voice is secure for a while, depending on who wins. So we'll be able to talk to you on radio. We will be able to talk to you at blazetv.com. But I don't know if you will get much, if any, of our stuff if you follow us on social media. Please subscribe to our free email newsletter. It's free. You'll get it every day. It will have a link so you can get all of the news that we're watching, uh, the things that we say that we're doing that I believe in. Also, blaze the theblaze.com also has a free email newsletter that will give you all of the news beyond what I'm just watching, all of the news that the blaze does. And more importantly, it gives us connection back to you. We can reach out directly to you where I'm not sure that's going to be. Um, I'm not sure that's not going to be throttled, if not silenced in the next few weeks, just depending on what is going on in our in our cities and our country. So please do that now. If you'd like to join us at the blaze, boy, we need you to subscribe because there is also a possibility I will save this story for a little while. There is something that is going on right now that makes me say this. Um, our sponsors are going to be intimidated and intimidated like never before. And uh, I just fear for that. We are going to need your support. Sign up at blazetv.com slash Glenn. It's 30% off your first year uh, up until the election. It's blazetv.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Uh, I wanted to get a uh, person that is uh, kind of responsible for some of these. And, and uh, her new video the, from Stories of Us is now up at glennbeck.com. She's a manager to Candace Owens and a presenter for PragerU, and I wondered why why I didn't hire her at some point, and it's because she's also a fitness coach, uh, and we just can't have any of those around here. Gina Bontempo is with us now. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you, Glenn? Very good. So tell me about what stories of us uh, are and why they're important. Sure. Um, PragerU did this fantastic series called Stories of Us where, um, you know, they just elevated personal stories of people who have realized uh, the lunacy of the left, um, who have come face to face with what the radical left is really trying to accomplish in America. And um, we have seen the light, so to speak. Um, so it's a series of people who, who tell their personal stories of how they were once liberal or leftist or maybe even not necessarily even an Obama voter, but um, someone who identified as a liberal before. And the veil was sort of pulled back over the last three to four years um, with the rise of President Trump. And, um, you know, there's just there's a shift happening right now. So the series is, is, is such a is such a great representation of certain people, including myself, who have really come around and seen all the ways that the media has been lying to us. Um, all the ways that we have been brainwashed and indoctrinated in higher education. I, I tell that as part of my story as well. Um, as someone who went to college and graduate school, I left school um, 
truly hating America and, and hating the country that gave me and my family so many opportunities. So this series is really a testament to to how people can change their minds once they see the light. I mean, you hated it so much, you moved. I did. I, I was on the road for almost three years, Glenn. I was on the road internationally. I said to myself in um, at the end of 2000. I believe it was 2014, I said to myself, I said, I'm out of here. Maybe it was even 2013. I left. I went to Australia for a while. I went to South America for a while. I jumped around from Peru to Bolivia to Chile. And, you know, what's funny is that I was in all these different countries and especially developing countries in South America and seeing how they lived. And, um, and actually down the line, what's funny is that all those experiences really helped me understand that the United States of America is truly the best country to live in and it really brought me back to realize what a blessing it is to even be born in this country so besides that what was it that opened your eyes what what was it that started really making you say wait i i'm i'm wrong about all of this stuff mm-hmm. I was working as an editor and as a writer for mainstream media publications, a lot of digital publications that were geared towards women. Um, you know, these lifestyle slash news hybrid publications are actually really the machine that it, that's producing the most information that's being released to millennials and Gen Z. And I was working in that industry. And I realized after um, working full time in the office day to day, seeing how editors and editorial directors will censor content and how they will frame all of their content depending on clicks, views, um, because that's exactly how these companies make money is that the advertisers will buy, will buy ads depending on how many clicks and views they get. And I watched day by day in the office how it was almost like a cult. Um, you, if, if you were working in this industry, there was just no doubt that you were a leftist, you were liberal. And um, I actually had a coworker come up to me, this young lady who said, she whispered to me, she said, I am terrified that our boss will find out that I'm a registered Republican. Mm. And all these little things bit by bit and, and seeing how they would censor my own content and whether it, was have to, whether it had to do with culture and politics or whether it even had to do with health and fitness. And that really started to wake me up. And then early 2017, I watched a full unedited speech of President Trump's. And that's in that second, I said to myself, we are being lied to. And that's when it all started to change for me. You um, you actually said uh, or wrote 10 New Year's resolutions for people of color that they have for white people. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I did write. <laughs> and it's not. I did write that. Right. And it, but that didn't come from you, right? No, no. This is actually a really interesting, um, interesting point that I, I like to tell people is that when you're an editor and a writer for these mainstream media publications, what the directors do is they give you a long list of posts and articles that they want you to write. Right. Because they have very specific traffic goals that they need to hit every day and every week, every month. And so the list would be you know, just some of the, the most radical stuff I've ever seen, like, you know, 10 New Year's resolutions that um, intersectional feminists have for men everywhere. Um, 10 ways that cultural appropriation hurts everyone, especially minorities. Um, you know, 10 ways that President Trump is causing mental illness in the United mm. States of America. And these are the kinds of things that we were assigned and we were told to write. And um, I mean, really, there, there was no choice in the matter. You either wrote this or you didn't have a job. So give me the chicken and the egg. If if you're writing this because the editor says to, but the editor is only looking at what people are consuming, what they want, uh, who's leading who? 
that is that's the question. That's that's really the question, and that's something that I found myself asking um, too. And and you know the funny thing is once you start to ask these questions in in media, once you are a person who works in the industry and you start to just raise some questions to your director or your boss, whoever it might be, you're shut down very quickly. Um, and I remember asking very specifically, there was one year at the last media company I worked for, they had a ton of layoffs. We weren't hitting traffic goals. They had to lay off a ton of people. And they told us specifically, we're not going to spend any extra money, guys. We need to tighten up on everything. And the next thing I knew, they hired an external team to come in and teach you about unconscious bias and diversity. And I, I asked the question. I just posed the question. I thought we were supposed to cut back on unnecessary expenses. And I asked them, I said, how does this, how does this unconscious bias workshop directly contribute to uh, revenue growth in our company, directly contribute to ensuring that we don't have more layoffs in the company. And as soon as you start asking these questions, that's, that's when, you know, they either tell you to shut up or leave. How important is this election? And, and can you believe that you are fighting for the exact opposite side you ever thought you would? Um, sometimes I wake up and I have to pinch myself because I, I did spend so, you know, several years in the machine of higher education. Um, and I know that people say this, I feel like people say it almost every election, but I do truly believe that this election is the most important that we have seen because it really is, we're at a crossroads where we're asking ourselves, do we want to preserve America? Do we want to preserve American ideals and values? Or do we want to create destruction and chaos and tear it all down? And um, well, a lot of women, a lot of a lot of women, especially in the suburbs, believe that that's what Donald Trump brings is just nothing but chaos. They do believe that. And that's because of the content that they've been consuming and that the content that's been shoved down their throats for so many years. Um, And and, and that's really the sad thing. That's why I did the series of PragerU, because I really I wanted young women especially to understand that. We have been lied to so much, especially when it comes to President Trump, who objectively, when you look at his record, when you look at the fact that he was a billionaire who who then decided to go into public service and work for free to serve our country. That's when you can really see that President Trump, he is the man who cares about America. He is the man who cares about law and order. And he's the man who's going to preserve American ideals and values. And so that's why I say that this election really is the most important. And and now is now is not the time to back down or or, um, you know, be scared at these threats of being racist or sexist or misogynist, whatever it might be, because at this point, the left is overplaying their hands, right? They're doubling down on the same thing they did four years ago. And I think people are really starting to wake up to it. I hope so, Gina. And thank you for helping that. I, I watched your video this weekend. And I thought it was just tremendous. And I retweeted it. Uh, it's PragerU, the new series, Stories of Us. People who have been in the system and have spat themselves out because something's not quite right. Uh, I mean, you'll go down a wormhole or a rabbit hole of just watching one after another after another. They're very inspiring. And yours is available now at glenbeck.com. And I ask that you go down that rabbit hole and share as many of these as you possibly can. Thanks, Gina. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks so much, Glenn. Bye-bye. God bless. Na, 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 na.